0: This is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. What do you think of giving everyone a chance, a chance to grow, a chance to help, a chance to be acknowledged? That is a major aspect of multiculturalism. Garrett Green, director of multicultural student engagement at Augusta University strives to include and inform all seeking to learn more about how we all can coexist in a vast world of differences. What up, Tigos listeners? Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory and Our Stories. Listen as Garrett and I discuss his journey, including his important role in overall student engagement. Check it out. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory and Our Stories. I'm your host, Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Uh, today, on today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, Mr. Garrett Green. He's the Director of Multicultural Engagement at Augusta University. I um, ended up meeting them personally uh, via a, a recent talent show that they held here at Augusta University, which I was surprised that they did due to COVID uh, restrictions, um, but they were determined to make this happen. And once I found out the subject matter, I immediately jumped on it because I thought it was a great opportunity. Uh, that was something that I had been struggling with personally, which could be expressed later. And I thought this was a great chance to um, voice that via uh, my personal um, avenue which is written word um but thank you uh, mr green for being here
1: yeah thank you for the opportunity we're looking
0: forward to it and um just conversing with you during the small moments that we had mm-hmm. i was just intrigued about how you came into this position you know what inspires you and what are your personal goals you yeah. know, for the future
1: i got you um i, I appreciate the question um so again really just appreciative to have the opportunity to be a part of your podcast i got a chance to to listen up on some previous episodes and was really impressed so again um, thank you for the opportunity to be a part Um, uh, like i said my my name is gary green i'm the director of multicultural student engagement and i have been working at augusta university now for um, six years Um, the past year as the director of multicultural student engagement Um, And just kind of taking a step back to kind of let you know exactly how I got to where I'm at today. Um, You know, I I was born and raised here in Augusta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, Born at University Hospital. um, Went to school um, at Brookwood Elementary. um, Evans Middle School and Evans High School. Uh, Graduated from high school in 2008. And in high school I played football and was a huge sports person. Mm-hmm. um i really wanted to be on uh espn uh yeah. being a sports center anchor specifically that was my dream job as a high school student specifically love sewer scott mm-hmm. um he was somebody that i saw myself in and i loved how he used his passion for sports um and you know the way he communicated that um without playing sports but just in the anchor in the anchor um, position it, it was so powerful so um from being a middle school, middle, school, middle school student and wanting to play sports, to seeing Stuart Scott and wanting to communicate um, the passion of sports. Um, that's what I wanted to be when I graduated from high school. So in 2008, I graduated, and when I was looking at colleges, I had a cousin that was at Georgia Southern University, and she was one of those students that was like, extremely involved. Uh, she was, she's in a sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Uh, she was an orientation leader. I mean, she was living it up at Georgia Southern, and every time I saw her at Thanksgiving and Christmas, she always had some amazing things to say about the institution. So, from her being that amazing recruiter, mm-hmm. um, I went down there and had a few visits with myself and fell in love with the school, um, and got there and was majoring in communications. And uh, during that time, I was trying to be uh, an anchor or, or be a newscaster, so I was getting good experience in that. But also at the same time, for my cousin. Um, she told me the importance of getting involved outside the classroom. So uh, she helped me become an orientation leader. And that really opened my eyes to the field of student affairs and working in higher education. Um, So as an orientation leader, you know, my eyes got really big on this kind of profession that I didn't even know existed. Uh, Because, you know, when you're in K through 12, you don't really know too much about higher ed unless you have kind of like a strong connection with a, a faculty or staff member that works there. Um, but from being a college student, I really fell in love with the impact that those professionals were having on me. Um, I definitely know that my GPA wouldn't have been as high as it was, or I wouldn't have been as devoted of a student as I was if it wasn't for being an orientation leader and then in turn being a student government and joining Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The connections, the bonds, the level of accountability that all of those areas brought me, um, it really kind of pushed me to be the best I could in that in, in that environment. Yeah. Um, so from that push and the investment that was made into me, um, I wanted to give that back. So um, my passion went from wanting to be on ESPN to wanting to work at a college campus. Yeah. Um, so I graduated from Georgia Southern in 2012 with my undergraduate degree in communications. And um, I, I realized from talking to faculty and staff in higher ed that, you know, to get One of those positions you need to get a master's in higher education or a master's in student affairs Mm -hmm. so georgia southern had a higher ed program so i uh, applied and i got accepted um, and i did two years uh, of of a master's degree at georgia southern where i was uh, a graduate assistant in the first year experience office i was still in student government got some really invaluable experiences there Um, graduated in 2014 with my master's then from there, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do next? You know, um, I'm really big on financial literacy and and really big on not getting into debt. So I wanted to go somewhere where I could start to save money. And the best place to do that is home. So uh, after I graduated with my master's, I came back home to Augusta and I was luckily able to get a job at Augusta University, specifically first in the College of Nursing. Mm -hmm. So in the College of Nursing, I was a recruitment and retention coordinator. And I did that for about a year and a half. Um, Recruiting college and nursing students and helping college of nursing students that were struggling with the curriculum. Um, And then about a year and a half after I was there, um, a position in student life and engagement opened up to do more um, assistance with the Student Activity Center, the building that we're in now, as well as with the student programming board that does homecoming and a lot of university traditions. So I did that for about four years. And then about a year ago, uh, this position opened up and I've always been passionate about multiculturalism, diversity equity and inclusion just due to the impact of you know seeing that in my undergraduate experience and knowing the fact that you know from that those opportunities I really had safe spaces and and really competent faculty members that were there to support me so I really wanted to to be a part of that in this profession so the position opened up and um, I was able to really make some good connections uh, while I was assistant and Director, and everything kind of fell through where, where I'm at today. so I'm, I'm really happy and really passionate about this work. really love working with students in this capacity um, and doing the best I can to again give back to the same way that you know I, I, I was given to when I was an undergraduate student.
0: You basically embodiment the result of how much a student a student's involvement in the university can can take you. Mm and for, for like for me myself when i was in college i i was highly distracted and i didn't see i didn't appreciate the value of being involved with the university and what's going on and i know a lot of people could automatically assume that somebody in such a position could be highly um how can i put it overextended mm. or for lack of a better term, trying too hard, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, maintain the spirit of being in college. But you actually enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. which makes a huge difference because it makes you look easy and it makes it attractable, Mm -hmm. attractive Mm -hmm. to other people. Like, yo, this is something that I could possibly do because obviously you were influenced by your family member. And this changed the trajectory of your of your um,
1: of your decision making. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, representation and. You know connection and proximity is, is, is so important because you're right if i wouldn't have had uh, a cousin that showed me and you know illuminated the benefits behind it i probably wouldn't have um so i i really love to do the best i can to you know connect with students that may not be initially interested in student leadership opportunities or may not have just been exposed To just let them know that hey this can really take you far not only if you want to do higher education as a profession but there are a lot of transferable skills and connections that can help you in any profession you're going into. Yeah. Um, so it's a really important work and I love to be able to kind of help, you know, uh, open students eyes to the possibilities that, that are there.
0: So if you would have never had that influence from your cousin, what direction do you see yourself? I mean, your I, I, going? that's a good
1: question. Um, I probably would have been trying my best to, to be on ESPN yeah um, so I, I would have tried to you know probably start off at a local news outlet mm-hmm. news channel 12 here and started off on the nightly news or you know doing some uh, on-site reporting yeah And would have tried to work my way up to where I was a news anchor and got enough tension to, to try to move up um, but yeah I really don't know it's a really quick question uh, <laughs> it's really just crazy how you know um, you know connections and experiences and those types of things really can change your whole life's trajectory for sure Yeah.
0: So just like I know sports commentators have to be informed about Mm -hmm. stats and what's going on. So in the position that you're in, is there a parallelism between that certain information that you have to be informed of as things go along?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, with kind of multicultural student engagement or diversity, equity, inclusion offices, um, you always kind of want to be up to date on trends and research and finding the best ways to be connected to students, specifically those that have marginalized or underrepresented populations or identities. Right. Um, So so one of the big ways to do that is you you always want to go to the professional conferences that are available to make sure that if there's a certain program or a certain initiative that your college doesn't have, Mm-hmm. Um, that's really impacting the student experience you're aware of, and you can try to implement that on your campus. Yeah. Um, when, it comes to, to, when it comes to research and finding different ways to utilize data to help tell the story that your office is doing, so you can help gather more resources and funding to impact more underrepresented and, and, and um, marginalized students, you know, those are some really important things that in this work, you know, you, you really have to do the best you can to, to keep your to keep your, your your finger on the pulse, because if not, you can easily be left behind. Yeah. And right now, we you know, luckily, multicultural student engagement and diversity, equity, inclusion is a high priority. It's higher than we've really ever seen before, yeah. and it's due to what's happened this summer. But before this, before you know, this summer, that really wasn't the case.
0: Yo, what up, Tigas? listeners? us keep tuning in as we take a quick break, and be right back. I recently deactivated my Facebook account. For me, it was no longer a virtual community, but a place to be chastised for being different. If anything, I welcome difference for it challenges me to be more considerate and open to different experiences. I also had to start asking myself the hard question, which is, are you happy? The answer was no. I wanted to fix that. I plan to pay close attention to that which is adding to my life such as wisdom and the perspective of others i I can't go back to old social patterns that would be redundant and digressive if no one told you today remember you are worth being reformed and reminded of your value your transformation is required before reaching that next step my next step is focusing more on my gift what's yours and now back to the episode
1: Role. It's really important that I get data and build connections and really show the power and the impact of the work that I'm doing. So, once this moment passes, which I hope is not a moment. I hope this is something that's long standing. But if it is a moment, that I can t- that I continue to do the best I can to advocate for the students that our office represents.
0: Yeah. Um, recently, we had some um, training that we had to do at my job, and it was the first time I ever heard of it in the last five years that I've been mm-hmm. there and it is highly detailed um, information that we have to undergo so that we get a full understanding of what this means in all aspects of diversity hmm and it's funny because this the material that we're given it's not just centered about uh, ethnicity or race but people with learning disabilities mm-hmm. physical disabilities uh, behavioral or psychological differences like being aware of that and I know a lot of us get so caught up with like I don't need to learn this such and such needs to learn this but it's always something that we need to be informed of because obviously we're missing it on several marks yes Um, so what's one thing that you think that everyone needs to be um, highly aware of during this season
1: yeah you know you bring up a great point there a lot of times people think diversity equity inclusion work is only for diversity, equity, inclusion offices or multicultural offices. Yeah. And that's the one of the big things that I always try to stress is that's not the case. Every one of us in a professional capacity, but also in a personal capacity has the responsibility to be culturally competent um, in understanding different experiences and identities that kind of go along um, with others. And if we don't do the best we can to stay up to date and to empathize and to help others that may not have as um, as smooth of an experience that we have in a lot of different avenues, um, we're really doing our fellow students, co-workers, um, you know, neighbors and just our fellow people in general a disservice. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one of the big things that I've kind of done the best I could to to really kind of educate people on is you know, this this work is not only on the professionals that do it on a day-to-day basis, it's on everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, for myself, um, I've always had a general respect um, for the opposite sex for women. Mm-hmm. And I figured that, you know, growing up with women and sisters and a mom, that I will have a, a gather a different, like, a, a concrete understanding to a certain degree. But as I got older, I realized that the way that I communicate with my family, who happen to be women, isn't the same as communicating with a fellow uh, female coworker because their background is completely different. Mm-hmm. And like, we just take these assumptions and these generalizations for granted, assuming this is the way that it is mm. across the boards. And just participating in the, the talent show, seeing the diversity in the um, talent choices, the music, um, the, the dancing, like just having, bringing that to light and saying this is how uh, diverse we all are. But just being aware of those specific aspects of somebody's life and totally disregarding it, especially when we're fed stereotypes through the media. Yes. And them having to conjure up this, this narrative that this is the way certain people are. Um, Is this something that you had to experience yourself, like growing up, are there any um, expectations people had of you based off your ethical background, your Mm. personal preferences, and what you had to deal with personally?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question as well. You know, one of the ones I always go to is a lot of times people always think that all black people can dance. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a good dancer at either. all. I'm not either. <laughs> that is not my strength. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm a part of Alpha Phi Officer and Incorporated, and we, we, we step and we stroll. And, you know, uh, that always is something that I hate <laughs> when it gets to that part because that's not my strength. Yeah, I yeah, always yeah. have to spend probably about three times as much time to learn um, and be decent at it uh, yeah. and I mean just decent where I just get by where people won't be like what in the world is he doing right <laughs> um, so that, that, that's one thing um, you know a, another thing is uh, a lot of times when I, when I was growing up people would always say that I, I sounded differently than they think the average per, black person would sound and I always mm-hmm. would be offended by that like how was the black person supposed to sound yeah, um, yeah. you know th- th- those types of things were really offensive to me um, it, you know, people always thought when it came to sports and those types of things that, you know, Hey, this person is really good at basketball. Um, so let's go automatically, you know, and I was pretty decent, but I mean, just because you're black doesn't mean you're, you're automatically gifted at all sports either. Right. So yeah. I definitely kind of experienced as I experienced those stereotypes. And, um, as a child, um, you know, I really, cause I went to a predominantly white school system. Mm-hmm. So they happened to me at such a young age that I really almost got desensitized to them, to be honest. Um, probably one of the most notable experiences that I kind of remember through my development was when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, I had this really close friend um, named Julianne. She's a white, white young female. We were in fourth grade and um, she was like my best friend in fourth grade. So, you know, we talk on the phone and do homework together and, you know, we had a really close relationship. So. You know, I'll never forget one time we were talking on the phone and her sister goes up and says, who are you talking to? She's like, I'm talking to Garrett. And she says, oh, is Garrett your boyfriend? Ha, ha, ha. And then she was like, no, he's black. Oh, wow. And like literally in, until that moment, like I had heard those things we just talked about, but it didn't really hit me. The, I guess kind of the disadvantage that potentially could go along with that or the the negatives that some people have about black people, um, and that really hurt as a kid. Cause yeah. I mean, I think at that time I probably did have a, a little bit of a crush on her. So yeah. not only the fact of, you know, potentially liking somebody and them not liking you back, but them not liking you because of the color of your skin. Mm. And that was, um, very memorable to the point that like I'm 30 years old and yeah. I know that happened in fourth grade and it's still, it's still with me to this day.
0: Wow. Mm. Um, so when you come across students, do you see yourself in these students? Which also dictates how you communicate with them and how you try your best to get them engaged in the things that they're interested in. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I definitely do. So, when I was a when I was a freshman, I was definitely one of those students that was, you know, I went to the football games at Georgia Southern, and I had a, a group of friends that were from the Augusta area that I hung out with. Yeah. And um, really, besides that. I was like, oh, this, this like student leadership stuff, like this is, this is whack, this is lame, you know? This is for like the people who were in high school who like made straight A's and were trying to be an SGA and all that, like that's kind of what I, I, that's what I kind of um, saw in it at first. And like I said, until my cousin really stressed me the benefits, so I try to do the best I can to be my, my cousin, to, to be the same way my cousin was to me to other students. Yeah. So I try to go out of my way to, you know, first off, build a relationship with them But then from that relationship, stress with them. Some of the opportunities either my office offers or other offices on campus offer them to support them through the college experience. So whether that's you joining a a fraternity or sorority or joining another student organization or going to an athletic event or volunteering, um, there are a lot of different avenues that really can shape your perspective of your college student experience. And unless there's somebody that, you know, really kind of pushes you to, to do so specifically for a lot of us that are black or a lot of us that may be first-generation college students you know mm-hmm. we not be we, we may not be aware of the importance and the value that that brings to our college experience so i do the best i can like i said to, um, to help other students to develop that
0: uh, i remember when i was right before i graduated it was my senior year was senior semester and all the professors that i had come in contact with were reminded me yo Since you are an English major, you're more than likely, and if you're looking for a profitable career, if anything, you probably want to pursue education. And at that moment, I was like, well, my mom was an educator, my sister is, I want to do something different. And nobody introduced me to any different avenue. So I thought about journalism, and I was like, no, that's not something I want to get into. So nobody offered me an alternative. Mm. So at that time I was freaking out because I was about to graduate and I literally had no plans. Mm-hmm. And one guy that works and uh, he teaches in film, I'll never forget, I had a random conversation with him. He was like, so what are your plans post-graduation? I'm like, I'll do this and do that. I might go like directly into school, like um, um, graduate school. Mm-hmm. He said, you ever thought about just taking a break? And I was like, no. And he said, yeah, man, when I graduated, I traveled and went here and went there. And I was like, you know what? Nobody's ever said that to me. Mm. So let me, I'm going to consider that. Uh, in hindsight, that wasn't realistic on my part because I was like, well, in order for him to travel, he had to have money. Resources, right? Yeah. And I didn't have those resources. <laughs> I didn't make room for him either. Mm. So I was like, well, that wasn't a good idea. Mm. Uh, but I did need that time away to gather my thoughts and, and realize what is it that I really wanted to do. And even then, I still didn't have a concrete answer Mm. Uh, but having somebody in your life that takes what you have meets you where you are Mm. and say you know what what is it that you want let me help you get there you know a lot of people don't take advantage of that a lot of people think well how can i what can i get Mm. out of this situation Uh, but having somebody like you on campus and not just you but having some another fellow Black man like myself, mm-hmm. and other representation of me. I didn't realize how important that was when I was young, because everything I saw, I was, I was just into. I didn't, I didn't look at the, the, the um, the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Like uh, I was just telling my wife, yo, my favorite hero of all time will always be Superman, and despite him being white, you know, traditionally white, or just being him being Christopher Reeve, like he will always be that that iconic superhero. Um, idea. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, looking at everything that I've been exposed to, I didn't see a lot of us uh, in, in the forefront. You were either an athlete mm-hmm. or you were an entertainer. Right. And being an athlete even falls into the category of being entertainer because that's what people pay you to do. True. Um, but seeing you in this position, I was like, yo, this is, this is really awesome because they get to see us black men in a different light. Yeah. So, do you do you at any point feel the weight of a responsibility within your position?
1: Yeah, you know, that de- definitely so, um, in a variety of different ways. So, a part of the uh, my office is a part of the division of enrollment and student affairs, um, and right now we probably have about probably fifteen, fifteen to seventeen um directors or kind of administrators that are, are within that portfolio and um like i'm the only black man yeah so when it comes to the clothes that i wear to the time my timeliness of getting to the meeting to really kind of being conscious of the things that i say knowing that it not only represents me like garrett but also yeah. black the black man persona yeah because um, i'm the only one there like it, it is it, it can be heavy um, and that's kind of in the professional aspect when it's with students. I do the best I can to make sure, you know, I, I'm being as positive of a role model as possible um, in this avenue as well. So it definitely can be heavy. Um, sometimes I think I've been, you know, conditioned to do that so much that I, I don't really feel it as much, but it's yeah. inherently there. Um, you know, you, you saying that really made me think of one of the. Really important black male figures I had in my undergraduate experience. Um, so I know I only had my cousin, but I also had um, this individual named um, George Lewis. He was the dean of students at Georgia Southern when I was there. Oh wow! And he was this um, charismatic, like, extremely competent and professional, but also at the same time like so relatable yeah. person in the dean of students role. And when he was a member of Alpha Alpha fraternity incorporated. Uh, he loved sports. Um, but also oh, he was this very educated and smart and just driven person um, and I connected with him and I mean he was such a, a huge you know factor in me being where I'm at today too and he was that not only for myself but so many other black men at Georgia Southern that we still are in really close contact with him to the, to this day so yeah representation is is so important because if you don't see yourself um, in potential professions and in positions you know, you really don't even sometimes explore the possibility.
0: Garrett made a good point. And one of my favorite artists of all time, well, actually my favorite artist of all time is Common, formerly known as Common Sense. He was one of the first few artists that I actually heard uh, write the way that I thought. And I thought to myself, yo, how awesome it is to see a fellow black man express himself the way that he does and be understood. And that was, I think that's one of our, one want to, primarily our primary objective is to be understood. Um, so to see somebody in that position and all the f- uh, hip hop artists that came out before him and after, you know, it was nice to see somebody like me in that position. And it gave me hope. So he made a good point. So continue to listen uh, to the latest episode of The Glory in our stories uh, with Mr. Garrett
1: Green. Like I said, I, I, I know not every student is going to want to be uh, a director of multicultural student engagement, but I do know that you know every student does want to gain skills mm-hmm. uh, and build connections and relationships and experiences that are going to propel them for the future. Yeah. So I really do the best I can with my identities to connect with those um, that have those same identities, but also those that don't too.
0: Yeah. Reminds me of uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character in Higher Learning as mm-hmm. the uh, educator. Like, he, he, he embraced him, himself as a black man, but he also knew that we couldn't constantly use it as a crutch. Yeah. Like, we have to progress. We have to set ourselves up for success. And at the end, despite everything that was going on, when he embraced, um,
1: what's his name? Is it, is it Omar? It's not Omar. Omar Els. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he
0: embraced him at the end, and he didn't say anything. Because mm-hmm. that was his way of saying, yo, I know. I know. I know. That's right. Um, So being in the position that you're in, um, I just find it cool because you obviously come in contact with a variety of different people. Uh, What are some things that you find yourself learning now Mm. that you've gotten to this
1: point? So, you know, the really great but also challenging thing about working in a multicultural office is that, you know, you can be an expert in the, the office yeah but you're not an expert in all the different cultures, oh yeah, like you never will be, and uh, you know, no matter how much learning or you know I, I have a, a term or degree, no matter how much education you get, you're never gonna be an expert in all the different identities and all the different um perspectives that come to the table so. It's one of the great pieces about the job, but then it's also one of the most challenging pieces because, you know, sometimes people will look to you for all the answers. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on, like, that's not (laughs) my lived experience. Yeah. Like that, you know, I I didn't specifically study this specific culture, but it's also beneficial because I can allow students to have those experience, the opportunity and the platform to educate Mm -hmm. others, too. Yeah. So allow them to gain public speaking skills and, you know, education skills to the point of, you know, them really appreciating having the opportunity to teach somebody something that they didn't know before
0: yeah.
1: um, and do it in a way and in a platform that's safe and accepting and you know there's going to be a, a productive conversation um, so that's one of the most enjoyable pieces about the job is you know the fact that I don't know everything but I'm able to either make the connections with somebody who knows it myself or connect others um, with, with, with uh, connect others with people who didn't know that information too
0: yeah and I am I think I have a I have a really close friend that Does a really good job of saying, you know, what I may not have all the answers, but I can direct you to somebody who may be able to see exactly. And instead of trying to take upon that whole responsibility of being the sole source of anything for anybody, but just looking at yourself as a vessel, yes, you know, as a as a as a midway, as a transitional, as a transition to something that they that they want. Um, Going back to the idea of the overall concept of multiculturalism. Mm -hmm the way that it is viewed in society, do you think that we're progressing towards awareness? Especially considering the um, political climate that we're in, do you think that the the uh, knowledge of it, and it being expressed and being shared, do you think that we're moving forward so that everybody is in tune with what that really represents?
1: Mm. I think that more people are aware of the subject. Yeah. I don't know if that has led to uh, an increase in people being more receptive to it though. Yeah. I think from Barack Obama's presidency, you know, Donald Trump, him as a candidate, Mm -hmm. he used Barack Obama's identities to really illuminate, how far um America needs to go to be as culturally accepting as we kind of claim to be, yeah I mean, if we go back to Donald Trump, the candidate, he started off saying that you know Barack Obama wasn't a citizen mm-hmm. um, and a whole bunch of other really terrible things that he said about him at the time that you know we all really knew at the time wasn't true, yeah, um and for him to do that. Um, as a candidate, and then to win uh, an election, and really allow that rhetoric and that base to get uh, a level of acceptance and a level of this attention mm. that it never got before, because before, if you you know if you said those things, people would kind of look at you kind of a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the people weren't comfortable saying those types of things in public. You may say it uh, from a pseudonym, but you would no one dare come out and say that with your name, right? Yeah, it's Today, what we were just
0: talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: Today, people are bold enough to send an email to uh, <laughs> the entire college. Um, so I, I say all that to say that we are more aware of diversity, equity, inclusion, and being culturally competent and you know, how important it is or at least with those that are leaders in the field, I feel like we are getting that word out that it is important. I don't know if it's being received in the way that it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, We just saw in the presidential election, I think right now, uh, Joe Biden has like 75 or 76 million votes, which is great. I think it definitely showed that we're moving forward and we weren't going in the direction that we wanted. But Also Donald Trump had like 71 million. Yeah. So that also is very alarming as well, yeah, so I say all that to say, you know, people like myself in this work, but again it's not just it's not just our work, it's everyone's work. We all need to do the best we can to really take a stand to show that you know rhetoric that is divisive, that is um, filled with hate um uh, that's filled with stereotypes, um that's not truly recognizing our history, like that's not accepted, um and we didn't do the best we can to make sure that the message that we're trying to get out is not only, you know, it's effectively communicated, but it also yeah. is effectively received and digested as well.
0: Yeah. And paying attention to language. A lot of people overlook that, especially when you're advertising, there's like a lot, there's been a lot of advertisement that has come over, come out in the last few years that people overlook how offensive this could really be. Yeah. And uh, one case in point was I found like, I love hats. I love it. If I can find, like, a nice good one, i buy it. (laughs) So I found one with uh, the Cleveland Indians on it. And I was wearing it, and I was like, this is nice. But, of course, you're aware of the controversy of having the the Cleveland uh, uh, Indians mascot uh, on there and having them basically in red face on your hat. And a few years ago, I would have thought... Well, this is a baseball team. What's what's the big Problem, deal? right? But that's actually offensive. As small things as that, you know. And I've learned obviously, your your impact is so much bigger than your intent. Mm. But you can tell people your intent, and or not, they just won't know. You can be lying about your intent, mm-hmm. intent. But how you carry that intent out is what people are exposed to. Um, and being aware of that and working for an organization that. Make sure that that rhetoric is not um, uh, repeated, and it's not in continuing roti- continue, continued rotation amongst people that you actually care about. Like I've heard somebody who was um, speaking for one <laughs> one side, well, they were saying that they were willing to overlook personality for the sake of policy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's very hard to do." Of course, we were just talking. You were just mentioning that a couple of seconds ago, Um, but I can see that because of that close call between votes, that there is a part of this country that is ready for not only for the awareness, but to also also practice it Mm -hmm. and accept it. But then again, there are people who really aren't prepared that many people are asking why is racism chronically brought up amid many conversations many think it's a thing of the past while our neighborhoods and streets say the contrary i would personally say we will stop talking about it once we stop practicing it this also goes for human sex trafficking domestic violence misogyny political corruption the list goes on let's be about change let's be about equality let's be about love For the fruits of the Spirit are joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and love. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's choose to be great, period. And now, back to the episode. Do you feel that it may be... Well, I I guess this is the question I wanted to ask. What is your expectation? Towards making people aware of this, knowing that there aren't a lot of people that are going to receive it, because I know that can sort of probably feel discouraging. Mm. But how do you go? Like, what's what do you keep in mind going forward? Knowing that knowing that not everyone's going to be receptive to this.
1: You know, this is something that I uh, I I, I battle with a good bit. I have a a really close friend who works in um, diversity work who does diversity work at UGA. Yeah, and me and him have philosophical debates all the time. He's one of my fraternity brothers. Uh, you know, he thoroughly believes that like mandatory diversity training, uh, like that, it just shouldn't exist. Um, he, he he feels though like when it's mandatory, you know, uh, those people who go aren't going to receive it. They're just going to want to go ahead and get it done, just check off the box. It didn't mean anything to them. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a different thought thought process on it, and I feel like it kind of symbolizes uh, kind of an answer to your question, is that I definitely agree that there probably will be people who just, you know, do it just to check off the box or do it because you had to, because it was a part of uh, your job responsibilities. But uh, there will also be, you know, sometimes a lot, sometimes maybe one or two people that truly learn and truly are changed and impacted by it and that's what i do the work for i do the work for those one or two or sometimes even potentially larger groups of people that are impacted and that truly receive and digest the information the way that it was intended to be Um, and i understand that you know there may be people that hear the information and don't accept it and don't agree and they're still going to continue to think the way they thought and that's their choice the one thing they won't be able to say though is that they, they didn't know mm-hmm. they weren't exposed
0: yeah
1: um but i i don't i don't do it for them i do it for those that i have the potential to change Yeah. and you know that's what i keep my my eyes focused on because if not it can be so easy to get frustrated on the fact of you know you did this training and you know everybody that was there didn't receive it positively or you know everything that's going on in the political climate you know, Donald Trump literally tried to sign an executive order. Well, he didn't want anybody that receives federal funding to talk about critical race theory and um, you know the history and regarding our racial racial history in America. Wow! So that that would have directly impacted you know a lot of offices on campus like mine, uh, depending on how the university administration interpreted the policy, right? Yeah. So, luckily, uh, the university system of Georgia didn't interpreted directly in that way or didn't see it as in, in, enforceable in that regard um and also the fact that donald trump probably lost that probably has, has will lead to it not being um, right. as enforceable but there was a strong attack on the work um and you know if you're in this work and you see that happening that can be really deflating yeah. but again you just have to do the best you can to wake up every day and stay focused on the potential impact you can have on those that, that receive the information and, and not only receive it, but also use it to educate others.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow, That sounded like hush money.
1: <laughs>
0: that's crazy. Uh-huh. Um, so what will you say? So what are your plans going forward in the midst of everything that's going on? Um, I guess in the next year or two, what are your plans for the organization?
1: Yeah. So, in the spring semester, COVID-19 has just, you know, really impacted the way we plan. Mm-hmm. And right now, a lot of our potential programs and initiatives are still kind of in the air, yeah. um, whether we're going to do them in person or virtual. But you definitely will still see a lot of um, engaging experiences, um, whether it's we'll, we'll do a probably like a, a being black at AU part two where we bring our our black student organizations and our black faculty and staff members together to talk about the black student experience here, Mm -hmm. um, uh, being LGBTQ plus at AU. Um, A lot of those different identity um, programs, we will continue to do those. Uh, We do a program called Courageous Conversations where we bring uh, a a faculty member uh, or an expert um, on campus or in the community to talk about uh, a topic in diversity, equity, inclusion um, this semester. We talked about implicit bias. We talked about um, religion and social justice. Um, we talked about the basics of diversity, equity, inclusion, and those were some really impactful conversations. So I look forward to continuing those. Um, uh, you know, we just have a variety of different events that we really hope to continue to touch students and really just provide them safe spaces to have these, have these conversations because you try to have them on Facebook, you know, it's not going to go uh, very productively. No. So we, we do the best we can to create those outlets for those types of dialogues to happen in a truly safe, constructive space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the pro- probably most proudest things I am of, of my position is to be able to allow people to, you know, have those really difficult discussions and um, do them in a way that everybody will feel like they were heard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what would, what would be your advice to current students navigating their life through the university experience?
1: Um, I would say, you know, take it one day at a time with everything going on with, with COVID-19 and how that's impacted instruction. I definitely know it can be really draining having to learn online. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the fact that. You know you don't have a a teacher in person and being able to make that connection or or hear the lesson directly in person can be more challenging so i always encourage my students to really go above and beyond to go to their professor's office hours um, to make sure if you have any question about you know what happened in class that you, you wrote it down when it was going on in the virtual setting and then you meet with your professor during those office hours So not only you're getting the information, but you're also building that relationship with that that professor that can help you uh, in the long term. Um, I encourage them to make sure that that they're taking care of themselves. So, you know, holistically. So, you know, you not only wanna make sure that you're eating good food and, you know, but you're also having your mind in a good place because in today's times, it's so easy to be weighted down with everything that's going on in the political environment and the social justice world. Um, and also with your connections with your family and friends. Yeah. So, you know, if that's weighing you down, make sure you take advantage of your resources like the counseling center um, to be able to, to to get those thoughts out. Um, do a podcast or or, you know, write poetry or, you know, make sure you have a way to express those thoughts because the more you just bottle them up, you know, the, the potential negative impact that can have on you as a student and just as a person can be really monumental. So you really want to take care of yourself. um, Not only physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, make sure that you are really investing in yourself during this time, Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to be weighted down with the pandemic, with everything that's going on with the social injustices with you know just trying to keep up with school yeah. just trying to be a good student like with that and all those different things like i, I always tell my students right now like, you are the most resilient generation of students that are probably out that that, that we've had mm-hmm. because of everything that's going on you have high school seniors who didn't have a prom or didn't have a true graduation you have freshmen that are coming in and weren't able to have a true freshman experience so you know they are really having a hard time making those connections that we all know are extremely important in, you know, progressing throughout your college experience. So I just encourage them to do the best they can to, to make those connections with their faculty, you know, make those connections with staff members like myself, and then also to make sure they're taking care of themselves so they can be the best students but also just healthy people that they need to be to be able to succeed. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is a question I enjoy asking all my my guess is from based on your experience in your life, your personal story, uh, what would you say um, is the glory in your story?
1: You know, I, I would say the glory in my story is the ability to give back in the way that was given to me. Um, that's re- the reason why I do what I do. Um, that's the reason why, you know, I, I, I went to school for this, the reason why I come to work every day Um, it's really to be able to to give back and hopefully impact students just a little, a little bit in the way that I was impacted. So, um, I, I hope that I'm building connections and, and, and making an impact to the fact that when a student graduates, they can look back and say, I had a true advocate, a true friend, a true supporter, um, that allowed me to get to graduation, but even most importantly allowed me to, you know, be a more prepared and, and. And, and competent person in life, yeah. so that's kind of the glory. That's why I do what I do, and that's kind of what 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 charges me um, every day that I wake up.
0: Well, um, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I know we could uh, talk more, um, but this was um, highly needed. I needed. Um, I wanted to hear somebody's perspective on multiculturalism, uh, not just from the outside, but somebody who's actually. Um, career oriented um in, in in this um in this subject matter um but again thank you uh garrett for your um attention and uh i know the schedules are <laughs> a change in the midst of all what's going on but i really appreciate this Nah, no problem man i, I, appreciate I really it. appreciate the time i i really enjoyed it that's awesome all that's right. what's up uh for those who of you who are listening this is the latest episode of the glory and our stories uh with myself and mr garrett green yo thank you for listening tune in next time for the latest episode of the glory in our stories